0: I think you have talked about 16personalities.com. That's the, MBTI. the one. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I ended Miami up Briggs. with uh, the result of being a commander. A commander. All right. Yes. Um, which uh, it's a long description of what that means. And you can read it on their website. But it basically means that I'm not that agreeable. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend Thomas Belzamo, and we're glad that you've joined the conversation. Yes, you're listening to us, but we do welcome feedback, and, uh, and so we're not, this isn't just a theology course uh, per se, like systematic theology. This is talking about all different facets of life and connecting it. Uh, and connecting that practice and that living to our actual faith uh, Mm -hmm. in Scripture. And so we're glad that you've joined us, and uh, we want to thank our patrons as we begin who have uh, pledged to support this podcast on an episode-by-episode basis over at patreon.com slash reason together. So patrons, thank you so much for your support.
1: Yes, we do appreciate that. And on that note, we do have a new patron to announce— Fantastic. Uh, and that is Andrew. Andrew has come aboard to support this podcast, and uh, he's come aboard at the elite level. Wonderful, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much, yes. which means, of course, you have a t-shirt coming your way yes. and uh, access to the after show as
1: well. Yes, yes. And and by the way, we have an, uh, a whole bunch more t-shirts now. We did a run of those last week. So uh, if you want to buy a Reason Together podcast t-shirt, just come to our website and look for the big button on the left that says buy an RTP t-shirt, and uh, that will take you to where you can do that and get yourself a t-shirt.
0: Very good. Now as I look at our list, uh, for those of you that are new to the podcast, uh, this is two uh, good friends having a conversation. Pretty much. Basically, we're not like super scripted here. We write out questions. maybe with some detail maybe without and we put them in a list and then we just start grabbing from that list and asking each other and this is kind of an extension of something we we did years ago before ever having a podcast mm-hmm. uh, I had my Tom talk list yep. and I'd start you know typing down things to talk with Tom about uh, we loved talking about things and hashing things yep. out and you know getting each other's thoughts yeah so that's what you're getting too. but yeah you did too oh, yeah. <laughs> And so we, but we welcome your input into it. So you have um, a question, maybe that we haven't thought about, and you you've been wondering about. Send us the question. If you have a thought about what we're talking about, agree or disagree, doesn't matter. Um, send us send us those thoughts, and uh, we'd be glad to hear them. That's Reason Together Podcast at Gmail dot com. Reason Together Podcast at Gmail dot com.
1: Yeah, and also on another <laughs> brief administrative detail. We are in talks about hiring an editor. Uh, so if you have experience editing audio media, um, send us an email at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website, reasontogether.fm and submit a contact form there. We'd love to hear from you. Just send us a quick email. Say, hey, listen, I'd be interested in uh, trying out editing a podcast and uh, we'll get back in touch with you and see if it'll work out. So check that out if you're interested.
0: Yes, um, you know we. <clears throat> the title of this podcast is R- "Reason Together," mm-hmm. and I've been thinking at the beginning of this year. I'm, of course, you know all this already, Tom, and we've recorded a, a, an entire podcast episode about this way in the past. Um, about my fascination with personality and kind of you know yeah. uh, you know understanding that about understanding people from a, from a variety of angles. Yeah. But thinking about it more again at the beginning of this year, and I've and I've read a book, uh, another book on it, and uh, and I had this this thought here. You know, when you begin to realize that not everyone thinks like you do, mm-hmm. <laughs> which may seem <clears throat> obvious, but how, how often do we just kind of move about in life assuming that people think like we do? Mm. And somebody said. Uh, Something like uh, the greatest, one of the greatest mistakes you'll ever make is thinking that other people think like you think. Yeah. Um, but we sort of we we go into a discussion sometimes, maybe assuming that well, you know, the fundamentals we agree on, or like well, obviously this is a given or this is assumed when it may not be really. Um, and so thinking about how people don't think the same just inherently. I mean, the way that they that their personality, that their whole mind runs and processes information. Um, I thought about this, you know, you move from condemning them for, you know, what they quote unquote should know, if they thought like you, to reasoning, because now you have to communicate how you came to your conclusion, um, because maybe they're not coming to it the same way, mm-hmm. they're not seeing your flow of thought, they're not automatically assuming the things that you're assuming. So in, so it's it's incumbent upon us then, instead of just to say, well, everybody knows that, you should know that, mm-hmm. and so therefore I condemn you for not coming to the same conclusion. Now it's incumbent upon me to share how I came to my conclusion right. and bring them through that thought process and reason together with them, hear how what angle they're coming from,
1: yeah.
0: what thought they're bringing to the table that I'm not countenancing. Anyway, that was just something yeah. that— uh, Do
1: Do we think the same?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I think we come to the same conclusions. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I can't say that we always do it the same way. Now yeah. in, in some ways yes, we do we do think the same. But in other ways I um I doubt we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think we think the same way. Um <laughs> we I think we're very different guys. Um yes. you you'll be proud of me. I took a personality test this week. <laughs> yeah. Um for for the right. fun of it. You know, and and you know me, I've never really put a whole lot of stock in those things. I think they're they're interesting to do. I don't know what, you know. Yes, like what Disney character are you? Disney (laughs) character? No, I'm kidding. Is there such a thing? All those those
0: personality tests, they say, you know, what you know, person would you be in this movie, or what you know? I mean, because they're anyway, yeah, funny silly
1: well go ahead i ended up with you know it has like the results it tells you that you're like a logistician or you're a commander or right there's mm-hmm. several others i think i, I think you've talked about 16 personalities.com
0: that's the, MBTI. the one yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so
1: i ended Nine up with uh the result of being a commander a commander all right yes um which uh, it's a long description of what that means and you can read it on their website but it basically means that I'm not that agreeable <laughs> and that i'm I'm kind of intense in some ways, <laughs> and that I, I push people out of the way to achieve my objectives. and uh, it 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 wasn't always flattering, but they you know they they basically said, you know, of course the commanders are typically visionary people. Mm-hmm. And they said we basically have the, you know, we have them to thank for the modern world, <laughs> for the free world. Um, so, so it's like uh, okay, there's some good things to say Th- about this. Thank but, you. But, and I'm a jerk. What? <laughs>
0: yeah. They're the jerks that help us be where we're at. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's funny. So, which, which is interesting because, and I know we've we've talked about this in the past, and I could see. Um, a tenacity to you, but in the early days, I didn't necessarily see that in mm-hmm. you, because your exterior, you don't come across for, for being, and when you say commander, you, you, know, ooh, you know, that word sounds like, you know, pretty strong, you know, take charge kind of guy, and and mm-hmm. not that you aren't, but the way that you came across to me was um very, you didn't even come across to me even as aggressive, necessarily, you were just controlled and thinking that was the thing you probably think you know you're a thinker Mm -hmm. um but you don't anyway well you just the
1: way and it's like i'm not you know i'm not even 40 yet i'm close to 40 but i've learned even in you know just under 40 years that you got to learn to temper that yeah um because it makes people upset and it can it can really come across the wrong way when you just sure. kind of let your personality have its way with you as a, as a person. Um, you know, if you give into that tendency <clears throat> right. to just kind of, exactly. you know, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't need to think long about a lot of things. Some things I do, if, if it's a strategic thing I'm planning out, but for most day-to-day decisions, I don't need to sit there and ponder over things. I'm just like, okay, here's what we need to do. Let's go. Um, and that's one of the things they said about the commander type personality, but that kind of personality can really make those who don't have that personality feel super stressed out. Right. Yes. And my wife does not have that personality. She's, she has a very opposite personality to that. So Mm -hmm. if I'm just full intense all the time, that can really stress her out. (laughs) And I don't want (laughs) to do that. Um, I don't want to make her life difficult because i can't control my personality so you know i've i've kind of and i'm not always great at it sometimes i still kind of that personality comes out but i've had to learn to temper it some for the sake of of testimony for the sake of other people because it can come across as being kind of a jerk
0: well and that's that's maturity that's wisdom because you realize any any person any person's personality is um you know is them But it also, as they recognize biblically that they are, you know, innately twisted, if you will. They're corrupted. And so there's always a liability to that personality in the way that it can be used or the way that it can express itself. So everybody, regardless of their personality, has the obligation to become wise.
1: Yeah. Well, you you call it wisdom. That's maybe too flattering of me. Um, Part of me sees it as, you know, just another aspect of the commander personality that if (laughs) i don't temper myself i can't achieve my objectives (laughs) (laughs) so so there's even a strategy involved in tempering myself um so it's like i don't know saying that i'm wise or mature is too flattering of me um in that regard because uh i don't know i don't i don't see my personality as being too too wise or mature sometimes (laughs) and this podcast i'm sure is testament to that with (laughs) my my frequent silly comments
0: all right well where do we want to where do we want to go here um we've got we've got some feedback um do we want to deal with that now or
1: um yeah it's probably going to be good to deal with it now before it gets cold okay Um, okay we recently did a discussion on this podcast of a very, I would say, light discussion. We didn't get very technical or, or heavy um, when we right. talked about the translation issue, uh, of the Bible translation uh, issue. It began with a conversation with Hawaiian pigeon. Uh, I yeah. read some verses from a paraphrase um, uh, of the Bible in Hawaiian pigeon, and that kind of led to the question, will there be an updated version of the King James Bible, the King James translation of the Bible? And I'm going to confess now that, that that title of that episode, Will There Be an Updated King James Translation, was kind of meant to be a little bit of a hook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I guess I guess it was somewhat yeah. effective in doing so because we did get a good bit of feedback on that. Yeah. And I'll begin with feedback from one of our patrons, Tim. And uh, this, I believe, is First Timothy. Because we have two patrons named Tim, and I think one of them jokingly wrote in one time, just call me second Timothy. (laughs) Um, This is first Timothy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, it says, feedback for episode 116, Modern English Translation. He says, thanks for taking the risk (laughs) and touching on this topic. (laughs) I believe that because English is a living language, it will invariably become necessary to find a solution to this question. Let's face it, readability is an issue. I'm, I'm forced to agree. Uh, accuracy is paramount, but readability is becoming a greater concern, especially with young people. Um, let's see here. He has a section here that is a private note, um, because we don't want to throw him under the bus here. Um, he says, that said, uh, what if we bypassed the translation question entirely and did what has been done already? Another revision of the KJV. In my Logos uh, Bible translation or Bible program, I'm uh, I'm not using the 1611 KJV. That is a revision from 1900. What if we did that to the KJV again? <clears throat> um, which I, I guess is a good point he makes that that those who often uphold the the 1611 KJV aren't even using the 1611 KJV. <laughs> yeah. There's well, there's been revisions made to it, and that's what we currently have. Uh-huh.
0: Right, right. Anybody who's reading a uh, a normal King, you know, say, oh, I've got a Schofield Bible, or I've got you know a King James version. You're not reading the 1611. Right. Uh, if it, it would be it would be quite readability would be an issue on that because <laughs> when the W's were V's and the F's were S's or whatever, yeah. it's really kind of interesting. But so that was one comment that somebody made on our Facebook or on my Facebook page saying. There already has been an updated King James that was in 1769, and that's the one that we're using now.
1: Yes, yes, Um, which I did pull some of that feedback um, from the podcast Facebook page into this, which I'll bring up in just a second. But the rest of Tim's email says, a friend recently told me about the KJV-ER. Have you heard about this? I uh, haven't had the opportunity to research it yet, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks. Uh, admittedly, I had not heard of that until we put out this episode. Um, so I know I wasn't too familiar with it. Nor
0: had I um, actually. I, I it almost seems to me the one that comes to my mind. It seems like I remember an M.E.V. Somebody mentioning maybe a Modern English version yeah. or something that I had just heard about, and I hadn't you know really looked at. But I had not heard of the E.R. the K.J.V. E.R.
1: Yeah, and and that like you said was of course referenced when you shared this uh, this episode on your Facebook page there. Right, um, yes. And, and that's why I say that the title of the episode is meant to be somewhat of a, of a hook because this is feedback from a fellow named John here. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. Um, but he says, there has already been one in 1769. There is a current revision, not new translation, called the KJVER. Which And I
0: responded that that I appreciated the, the, the way he stated that there's a current revision, not a new translation. Right. Um, there is a difference between a translation and a revision. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, he makes, he makes the point that there has been a revision already. Yeah. So if somebody says, well, no, there can never be a revision. Yeah. Well, that's what we're reading right you know that anyway
1: is. uh it's point. probably right. bears mentioning why don't why don't you explain to our listeners what is the difference between a revision and a translation
0: okay <clears throat> well, I'd say a translation is you know going back to the original text and uh, reconsidering what each word and each statement, how it best comes over into a language where a revision can be. Kind of done in the, uh, in the translated language, uh, I would say. So or would you? Or in some, or, or, or a, maybe you'd say a less, um, a less aggressive approach to a translation. In other words, we're going to take out maybe some these and some vowels and some, mm-hmm. some archaic words. And we're going to, you know, clean them up so where they're more readable, but we're not going back to analyze every phrase and say, now, how is this translated? And is there a better word now to convey that thought, you know, that was conveyed by the Greek language?
1: So would you say that a revision is closer to a paraphrase than a translation?
0: No. um, No, I would just say it's a cleaning up of a translation, the idea.
1: Okay. Um, so, so... Because
0: the 1769 isn't a paraphrase of the 1611. I see. It's just maybe an editing of it. Essentially, it's an it's a, it's an editing. Okay. So... And when somebody writes a book and it says third edition, they may not really have changed the book. They just reprinted it, maybe with some clarification or some correction of some typos, right. things like that. So... That would be maybe my...
1: So trick. is a revision less concerned with, like, syntax and grammar, um... And, and yeah, a translation is maybe more concerned with syntax and grammar. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so there was there was more face uh, more Facebook feedback on that conversation. There was a comment here from uh, Alton Beal, um, who our listeners should know he's been on this podcast before, um, mm-hmm. and he said it is uh, in its preface it refers to itself as a Bible study tool, referring to the KJVER.
0: I thought that was interesting. You know, even—and to take—not to, like, launch out on this path too far, but just the thought itself of a translation being a Bible study tool is very interesting to me. Um, I have to say, at first blush, I like it because it's a tool to help you to understand— the scriptures in the original language, you know what I mean, because yeah. it's a translation of. Anyway, to to realize, and when we talked about this, I maybe in the last episode that people do get a little hung up on, uh, or, or or they they don't quite grasp the concept of a translation, and so if you like hint something, you know, or if you say something non, um, what's that group non Ruckmanite. yeah, you know, then it sounds like whoa. Well, what are you saying about the Bible? What are you saying about the Word of God? Right. And and, and I had somebody one time say, would you believe this is the inspired Word of God? You know, the King King James. That's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, okay, we need. To, yeah, and I said, well, I, I think it's a translation, you know, an accurate trans. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, is it the word of God? Yes, it's the word of God. But is it? Was it re-inspired in the English? No, it wasn't. No. So, I mean, what are we saying exactly? Anyway, but yeah. but if you if you if you have that conversation and you actually get into, well, this is a translation, an accurate translation, and a good one, but it's a translation. Then it almost sounds like what what you're like undermining the word of God, and right, and not really. Um, it's just having a broader understanding of the of the, um, of the <clears throat> debate or the conversation. But it's interesting that in the KJVER, he's saying it refers to itself as a Bible study
1: tool. I just think that's interesting. There's there's more there to <clears throat> think about. Right, sure. Um, there was some additional feedback, and this was from one of our patrons um, through our patron message board. Um, this is from Nathan. He says, I also think the question about a new updated KJV is an interesting one. However, as much as I think it would be exciting to have a new translation with modern English and the accuracy of the KJV, I highly doubt there will be any more such translations forthcoming because the audience for such a translation would be almost non-existent. <laughs> and 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 he goes on here to 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 give his reasons for that, and I think this is a really insightful uh response. He, yeah. says, uh, he says, what I mean is that nearly 100% of the Christian population would fall into two categories. One, those who use and love the KJV, and two, those who use other modern t- versions not necessarily based on the received text. The vast majority of the first group, uh, that is the group who loves the KJV, the vast majority of the first group doesn't see a need for an updated KJV because they would see the old one as good enough and the vast majority of those in the second group won't see the need because they already have modern translations they like. This means that the audience for this updated KJV will consist of the tiny sliver of the population that holds to the TR Greek position and also thinks the Old English KJV needs an update. When you consider the fact that many of those in this group reject, or at least view with great suspicion, the attempts that have already been made to update the KJV Uh, namely the new KJV and the MEV, uh, the potential audience dwindles even further. So even if it would theoretically be possible for such a translation to be produced, the number of people it would make happy is so low that I can't imagine it becoming a big thing. That's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I really like this feedback because it points to a deeper issue that has less to do with the evidences for text issues and more with just people taking a position. Um, it has more to do with um, m- maybe um, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? N- not wanting to change your mind, not being willing to change your mind. Um, or no, that's probably not it either. Um, but I think I, I think what he's getting at here is that it doesn't always have to do with uh, the evidence that maybe they're they're. There could be an update to King James English, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and more to do with people just saying I'm not changing, and maybe they don't know why. Do you know what I mean?
0: <clears throat> Somewhat. Um, I think I'm thinking the same, a similar thing. Um, maybe you would ask be, maybe you will do
1: better at explaining it than I am. Okay, <laughs> so.
0: you would you would ask the question in the last, uh, in that episode, um, something like do we have the scholarship to accomplish such a goal? But what he's saying is not—it kind of is a different angle, saying it doesn't really so much matter whether we have the scholarship, it's do we have the audience that would desire that? And I think, unfortunately, in that sliver of people that hold to the King James— and look, and and I I love the King James, too, Mm -hmm. because— you know, when you've memorized it all of your life, right. you know, or you've read in it, it it just you like the sound of it, right? You like the feel, you know, and it's not archaic to you because right. you've studied it and you like the sound it. And 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 even to me, there is a, um, there is a a depth or an intelligence to it, sure. um, you know, like in essence, a, a you want to say old poetry or whatever, you know, that that had a command of language. But anyway, um. So so I like the King I'm not coming at somebody who's you know had this <laughs> this underlying angst towards the King James version for right. 20 years it's not but I think in this slice of people that like the King James version he he points out that there's a few there's only a few that would see the need for an updated <clears throat> for for a revision of it and I think <clears throat> that there has been some in the movement that have um, the way they 've preached it or the or their lack of teaching regarding the issue of the Word of God and preservation and translation um, there 's probably and again i 'm assuming based on the way I feel if some if, if somebody were to come out and say, "I think we need a revision of the King james version he 'd almost be tarred and feathered right um, or like he'd be what right. What? You know, it would almost sound heretical. Well,
1: and that's, that's um, what
0: I think. Because of the misunderstanding. That's what
1: I think Nathan is pointing out in his email is that even if there were the scholarship to update the King right. James language, most people would reject it. Not because they have scholarly reasons, but because right. they're dubious. Now, he uses the word, I think he used the word dubious. They're dubious of translation efforts because of all the mm-hmm. bad modern translations that are out there. They've been kind of tainted on the idea of translation. Yeah. So right. any and, change, and, they just reject it whole cloth without even asking the question, well, is is, is this helpful and, and is the scholarship good?
0: Yeah, and, be, and, and, and more than just the other translations, I think there's a general lack of understanding about the translation issue. The fact that we are reading an English translation. Right. You know, to, for that to really settle in, no, this is the word of God. Yeah, I, I know, but it's an English translate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, that you know th- their faith is like anchored on an English translation without understanding. Well, wh- where did this come from? Oh, you mean God didn't write it in English or whatever? You know what what, what does all yeah. this mean? So
1: yeah, well, and, yeah. and some good examples of that. You know, and just looking at some old notes that I have here in Matthew twenty seven forty four. The thieves also which were crucified with him, and the phrase in the King James English is cast the same in his teeth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And interestingly, the, the Greek says that they also reviled him, right? That's what the Greek indicates there is that they reviled him. But there's no mention in the Greek of cast, same, or teeth. That's an example of translation, right? Um mm-hmm. In a sense, <laughs> though, though, I think arguably you could say that that is somewhat of a dynamic equivalence, right? Mm. Um, in the King James version of the Bible. Um, but that's just one example that they, they, they took the original language, the word reviled there, and they used the English of their day in their translation. Right. So, so, I mean, it is a translation that we're looking at. Um, anyway, I don't want to get too off track there. Because um, I have I have a few others here, but I think that will probably take up the rest of the episode. But I think Nathan's point is is good, and I think it's correct that uh, there would be a very small audience that would even be interested in in such a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, were you going to read the uh, comment about by Stephen as well? There was one other comment here about uh, the KJVER.
1: I must have missed that. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't scroll down far enough. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah.
0: In answer to is somebody else who said, what do we know about the KJVER? Between you and me, we don't really know anything about it. <laughs> um, but, but this another uh, a friend here wrote in and said, I have been evaluating the KJVER, and this is his take on it. Uh, he said, my biggest problem with the KJVER so far is that just like a lot of modern translations, they ruin Proverbs 18.1. And so then he goes into... Um, uh you know, kind of an explanation of how you know proverbs eighteen one what it means and how the Hebrew parallelism had bearing on that, but they don't seem to recognize uh that structure to it um let me see here uh the k j v translators understood the underlying Hebrew parallelism in the verse this by the way is what most if not all of the modern translations do this this seeking indicated is an intense seeking in other words proverbs eighteen one says um uh, he that, let's say, through desire, a man um, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. That's what Proverbs eighteen one is. And so he says here, the seeking indicated is an intense seeking. This person has separated uh, themselves or himself to do the action of seeking. He is seeking his own desire, which is synonymous with wisdom. Um, and he goes on there. Um, he exposes himself to wisdom. This is all indicated clearly in the parallelism and the grammar. The word they translate, quarrel, can be used that way, but not here. So, in other words, somehow, in the KJV, here's how it ends up. Uh, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. And then he has here e- ER, and I don't understand if this is, like, the way he has it typed here, if this is um, a margin thing, like they put another word in the margin to tell you, or a cross note, what? But it says, through desire, a man having separated himself seeks and meddles with all wisdom, quarrels. So I don't, if they're trying to define like Mm -hmm. he seeks and quarrels with all wisdom, well, that would kind of be confusing, you you know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so that was just one case in point of something he didn't care for as he's analyzing the, the KJVER, so... Anyway, just one uh, piece of feedback there regarding. Otherwise, I can't. Hmm. I honestly, like you said, I hadn't heard of it before our last episode, and I haven't done, you know, taken time to research a lot of this, and so.
1: Yeah. No. No. I haven't either. Um, There's way more qualified people than than me that could be talking about the translation issue, and I guess that's why, uh, you know, in many ways, I still kind of. to me there's still a lot of nuance in the discussion because I haven't maybe studied it quite as much as the scholarly folks have. Um I, I would maybe maybe rate my interest in the topic as above average, but uh certainly there are way smarter men than me about this topic. So I'm still kind of gathering information. That's that's kinda I would say the, the phase that I'm in in life right now.
0: Good. Yeah. Okay, well that deals with a lot of the uh, the feedback there. Yeah. Um. I had uh, a possible question, unless you wanted to hit something else. No, go ahead. Uh, in in particular, okay, this one. Uh, I'm just gonna say, you know, at this point, if you've got younger people listening to the podcast, you may want to say, hey, why don't you uh, go check on this for me? Because this is gonna be somewhat of a sensitive question. You can uh, mm. <laughs> you can filter it and decide whether they're gonna hear it or not. But just a little bit of a heads up here. Um. And that is the issue of pornography and not taking it from the typical angle, you know, of you know, we're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, internet filtering and blah, blah, blah. But what about this thought? And and I'm really coming at you, I'm I'm hitting this, hitting you cold on this, I know. Okay. Um, Yeah, this is not on the list. No. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and it's something that I have to say coming into it, it's not like I've done like hours of thought, and I've typed out my analysis on it, and now I'm just seeing if you agree with me. I'm really kind of coming to you to say, give me a perspective on this, um, because I've got a few thoughts bouncing around, rattling around, and not sure what to think. But when you think about um, older art, um, and if you've you've seen art or art collections, Mm -hmm. um, and I can't give you actual artists' names necessarily, for sure, definitively but you know they would at times or or sculptors they would um sculpt a naked body mm-hmm. or they would paint uh largely naked figures now they might with a leaf or a cloud cover a certain part might or might not like the statue of um,
1: david you're referring to oh,
0: okay Here. um and that i'm sure that's one of famous many many famous one. yeah um and so you know there you got um you know, there you've got a statue of a man in all his glory or a woman, you know, laying there. <clears throat> and, you know, half her might be covered, half her might not be covered, or maybe there's not. You know, and so my question is, is art like that pornography? I asked uh, somebody years ago, I made a comment on that. I said, why do they, <laughs> what? You know, they're, they're, they're all naked or something like that. And somebody said, well, the human body is beautiful okay um and so i you know now so my question is is that pornography i mean what is pornography because i can say that uh as i look at a statue i can't say that i'm turned on by that it's different than if you're walking by victoria's secret you know and they have huge posters advertising lingerie right Mm -hmm. um and at least to me, there, there's a difference there, that one would be alluring where one's maybe not really so much so. Yeah. Um, but does that mean that, like, does allure somehow define pornography? Like, well, that allures me, so it's pornography. That doesn't, so it's not. Yeah. Um, I think about a couple Bible passages where... <clears throat> Essentially, you know, the uncovering of the thigh is nakedness. And so there does seem to be some definition of nakedness, or the, you know, the priest was supposed to wear linen breeches so that as he's ascending uh, to the altar or whatever, his nakedness can't be seen. So his skin was covered. Uh, but then I think, you know what, Song of Solomon, he goes into some uh, depth, mm-hmm. some description, describing his woman mm-hmm. to be read by thousands right. of people for thousands of years to follow, yeah, and it's and he's it's giving in a Holy description Rit. of the body, and, right? And so it's like um, now he didn't now it wasn't a physical picture, no, of his w- of his woman, but it's a description. Sure. So I guess going to we say you know we need to avoid pornography or that's pornography. Well, at what point is pornography pornography? What actually? It's one of those things. I feel like this is a good question because it's one of those things that we we talk about. And it's like we all understand what we're talking about, right? That is but a really great know, question. Um,
1: Thanks. I've heard it said before, and I'm I'm pretty sure I've said this, and and I do I do agree with this that uh, even something like, uh, you know, romance novels, which we decry, <laughs> right? Yeah. Can can be pornographic in a sense because of the imagery mm-hmm. that they create, uh, mm-hmm. in the mind. But now with you bringing up Song of Solomon, I'm having a hard time um, reconciling that
0: yeah would we just call it adult content that's not suitable for young people who shouldn't be thinking about right. that kind of thing, or maybe it deals with it in an in an illicit way yeah. or
1: but to you know, yeah, to go back to the the statue question though, part of me does wonder, you know when those things were made, they didn't have pornography like like is in the world today, right. And, and I wonder if, in no. a sense, such statues kind of were pornography to them, if that makes sense. Um, in, yeah,
0: but I mean, I just think that's I a mean, big question. We don't, I don't think we can really answer that. No,
1: because you almost have to get into the mind of people who are long since dead. But at the yeah. same time, I'm not willing to say that something is only pornography when it is arousing uh, to an individual right mm-hmm. because someone might say well well that that bothers my conscience and other person say well that doesn't bother my conscience you know what i mean like uh y- y- if we're going to use the illustration of the uh um and and forgive me if this gets somewhat um s- scandalous <laughs> you know um y- the question of how much of the leg <laughs> on a woman should be <clears throat> uh seen right uh-huh. uh yeah even even what would be classified as modest apparel today things that come below the knee um, to some men even if it's not even if it's below the knee to some men that's still something they're interested in looking at right hmm. but yet to others that doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't bother them mm-hmm. right so it's like is it porno- pornographic only when it's arousing to the individual? No, I'm not willing to say that. I think there is yeah, somewhere right. an objective because line where, yeah, that's inappropriate.
0: Yeah, well, and even you bring up the issue of modesty. Okay, so something is immodest. Does that make it pornographic? Okay, like if I say, well, the covering of the thigh you know, is modesty, Like, like exposing of the thigh is nakedness. So you wear a short skirt. You know, and you're exposing half your thigh, that's immodest. But is it pornographic? Well, I don't know if I could say no. that. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I'm uh, with
1: you on that. Um,
0: so, yeah. it, so, and again, but where's the line? What, what are we talking right. about when we say that is pornea or pornographic? Um, yeah.
1: But I mean, arguably at a certain point, something that is immodest, though it is not pornographic, you know, could incite in some dude pornographic thoughts, right? Yes. So right. does that mean that everything that even borders on immodesty um, ha- is, is that that individual is now guilty of creating pornographic thoughts in someone's mind? I think that's a very complex thing, and I'm not I'm not I'm not taking a position right. on that Be- necessarily. I'm just saying yeah. that's a complex question.
0: You're right because you are dealing with. I mean somebody if somebody's got a dirty mind. They can look at a totally modest woman yeah, exactly. and think dirty thoughts. Exactly. So it. So that's, yeah. Anyway, hmm. so listeners, hey, help us out with this one here. What, what's your take on it? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, what? where's the line? Is there some... Can you give me some definition? Now, uh, we're tying the word pornography, right? I mean, wouldn't we say the root is in the word pornea, which mm-hmm. if I remember correctly in the Greek language is fornication. Am I remembering correctly? I um, believe you're correct on that. Uh, so when when the Pharisees said, um, you know, can a man uh, divorce his wife for the cause of fornication or something yeah. like that that was I think the word pornea yeah um so when so somehow that's come down into our English language in pornography, which we typically say is some uh, I guess if I had to put a definition to it that everybody would agree with it would be some you know grossly inappropriate you know picture of some an unclad person yeah. you know meant to incite the lusts of somebody else okay right. you know but unfortunately it's even gone to you know to the level of children child pornography mostly probably yeah. rampant in uh in men's pornography which would be pictures of women though it's not uh it's not non-existent the other direction um but what is it exactly and in applying that to our lives we, uh, anyway it's just interesting. Hmm. yeah. Because art, you know, you look back to art and you're like, well, art, I mean, art is art, right? You kind of feel like, well, we're not going to impugn the art. <laughs> no, but I think we can, can impugn we? it.
1: I think we yeah. can impugn it, yeah.
0: I, That'd be fair yeah. enough. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's hard to it's hard to suggest. And I think sometimes we look at the ancients as if they had some sort of superior morals.
0: <laughs> and that's not.
1: I mean, no, not, not even close. The case. You know, and we'll look at them and we'll think, Oh well, surely they were just appreciating the unclad human form. Maybe not. Maybe they were modeling right. this thing out of clay because they've got a filthy mind and, and they didn't have, you know, imagery then like we have now and this was the best they could do. <laughs> um so all I'm saying is we, we maybe give them too much credit for their art when maybe we shouldn't.
0: Maybe yeah interesting so
1: hmm.
0: yeah interesting <laughs> I guess so we'll question. let that one just sort of sit there and see yep. what kind of uh feedback we can get there you go uh, <laughs> can i make a guess that maybe we're the only podcast talking about this today <laughs> or maybe talking about this ever uh, possibly uh, possibly anyway so i appreciate your feedback reason together podcast yeah. at com. yeah um and uh let us know let us know what you think. Yeah,
1: we do certainly fit a small niche. Niche, niche, small a small spot. I say niche. Yeah. <laughs> I've always said niche. But we fill a small, small corner of the internet. Uh talking about things that maybe a lot of people don't talk about or think are maybe too dumb to talk about. But uh yeah. I'm okay filling this small corner of the internet. Yeah, yeah, good deal. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we will um we will probably let it go here and um, and transition into our after show. There's a the you've got a few uh, questions here, and I'm interested in uh, one or two of those. So maybe we could hit uh, that in the after show. Okay. But anyway, uh, we want to thank you again for listening and welcome your feedback. Thanks to our patrons, and hope that you <clears throat> hope that you all have a, a good week.
1: Yes, be sure to subscribe uh, to this podcast. It is free to do that. Uh, So download your favorite podcast player app and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes automatically downloaded to your phone. Um, We do appreciate you being here. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.